I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This episode of the Cult Pop Show podcast was brought to you by our Patreon. If you want to tell us which films we should watch, get up to two extra exclusive podcasts a month, give us something to talk about in the post-credits scene at the end of each episode, or join us for our monthly movie club Zoom call where we discuss a film together, then please consider joining the cult and donating at www.patreon.com slash cultpopshow. Fuck, that was a good clip. Very proud. Thank you. Proud of my boy for his claps. <laughs> welcome to Cult Popshire, but more specifically, welcome <laughs> to Film Franchise Fortnights, uh, which is a show on the Cult Popshire podcast. But you know this, if you're listening to it, it means you found it. It means it wasn't too confusing. So take mm. that, uh, Richard and AJ, when we started the podcast and wondered if it would be too confusing. Yeah. Do you, and do you know we're actually we actually haven't been called the Cult Popshire podcast for a couple of years now. It's just been Cult Popshire on people's feeds. Wow! I like the the thumbnails still say the podcast. We still call it the podcast, but it seemed like Cult Popshire just needed to be the name of the podcast, and it is the Cult Popshire podcast in the same way that the YouTube channel is the Cult Popshire YouTube channel. Yeah, because yeah. it's interesting. Yeah, I feel like you shouldn't have used Cult Popshire for both examples. Like, you should have given a more widely known example, you know? Um, What's more widely known than Cult Popshire? <laughs> I, I don't understand. <laughs> All right. So, today um, on Film Franchise Fortnites, we are talking about something uh, very uh, different from our yeah, usual because, kind of thing. Yeah, because we've been, I don't know if we're, I'm AJ and that's Richard, and we've been doing this film franchise Fortnite show on the Cult Popshire podcast, Cult Popshire, for nearly like, over five years now. We're in our sixth season. Mm. And uh, in that time, what it's always been is we take a film franchise, we watch all of them within a fortnight, and then we discuss it. And then almost in a way where it felt very close to our intellectual property being um, stolen, a <laughs> film franchise came out in a fortnight. No one said it. No one said, this is a film franchise fortnight, but it was very mm. suspicious. I think maybe they were, they were scared of our lawyers. Yeah, that, because... Um... A fortnight is two weeks, and the, all the marketing said it's a trilogy released over three weeks. But the first and third film are two weeks apart, mm. um, so I get, they probably didn't want to, you know. Um, but yeah. yeah, no, interesting. So this is we normally we randomly choose, or it's Patreon selected. This was like, how can we not, you know? And so it's um, yeah, the Fear Street trilogy on Netflix is what mm. we're talking about. You might have seen them. You might have heard your friends talk about them. Um, Go check them out. This is the way that they're done means that we kind of have to spoil all three off the bat. So this isn't, it's not as easy to do like a, well, kind of is, kind of isn't, to do like a segmented conversation where we don't talk. So if you're interested in them, just go watch all three and then come back here to chat. Don't you? It's not going to be like, oh, I'll only listen to your discussion on part one because it's the only one I've seen. Just go watch them all, okay? Um, right. and then And then come back. 
Okay. Or if you don't give back. a shit, just keep listening because you don't need I'll be to back watch in, the films. I'll be back in nine hours then. <laughs> nine hours. <laughs> <laughs> That's how long. Will, wouldn't that be? Three two-hour movies? Three three-hour so movies. Hours. That's six hours. Sorry. Yeah, we didn't bloody watch. Uh, this isn't The Irishman. I'm taking a 45-minute break in between each it's, film. It's um, 330 minutes, five and a half hours. Okay. So, there you go. It's not even six hours. No, it's not. <laughs> Even that would have been ridiculous of you <laughs> to suggest. Uh, okay, so Fear Street. Um, so this is a trilogy of three films, all directed by Lee Janiak. Uh, so the films are Fear Street Part 1, 1994, Fear Street Part 2, 1978, and Fear Street Part 3, 1666. Is that all the movies in the franchise? Well, yes, but <laughs> also kind of not. Um, but we'll get to that. <laughs> uh so fear street um uh, overall what what is the trilogy about so it's it's based on an rl stein series yeah the book series the goosebumps guy uh his more like i assume teen teen oriented (laughs) mr bumps um (laughs) series and it is about Okay, I get a little foggy on the lore, especially by the end of the third one. I was like, I can't remember what the actual lore is. But in this town, there's this town called Shadyside, and they have like a Shelbyville to their Springfield called Sunnyvale. And everyone who lives in Sunnyvale is really happy. And everyone who lives in Shadyside is really miserable because over the last 300 years, there have been consistent, uh, horrific murders that have taken place every few years and it is believed that the murders are the result of a witch who was killed in 1666 uh cursing the town and making it so that if you uh, like like she she every couple hundred years or however long she possesses someone and they go and kill a bunch of people and the series broadly is about set in different it takes three different time three different examples of of this idea from different time periods 1994 1978 and 1666 where it all began and we see sort of different mm, horror throwbacks yeah it's kind of like (laughs) it's it's sold as being like each one is a throwback to a different era a different genre of horror so 94 yeah. is obviously influenced by the likes of scream and i know what you did last summer 1978 is it's set in a camp so it's very much friday the 13th and then 1666 is more your kind of fucking american horror story coven um whatever the the vavitch the, the vavitch yeah. and the the village um yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and the village <laughs> uh but yes that's kind of the the overall thing if you think that sounds cool go watch them um but what is part one about okay so it's 1994 and it starts with a very sort of scream inspired um slaying of a of of maya hawk who works at a mall Mm. uh and then it follows a group of teenagers who uh discover that that uh the who is it who's killing it's the it's the same guy who killed maya hawk yeah. is back from the dead it was and it was maya hawk's boyfriend or, or friend flirty friend uh, yeah yeah yeah, um, uh, yeah and, actually i think wikipedia describes it um <laughs> um as murdered by her friend ryan who had pl- previously shown no indication that he planned on killing her <laughs> 
Mm, the worst. That's the ultimate betrayal. <laughs> you uh, said you and, wouldn't. <laughs> and so it's sort of them um, facing off against this killer while also they're kind of on the run from the local sheriff. Uh, there's a bunch. It's Scooby-Doo 2 Monsters Unleashed style. Mm. A bunch of the, the the previous serial killers from throughout time are like revived and all start going after them as well. And they basically work out it's because the main character's girlfriend, and she is a girl too. That's right, everybody. Yeah. Each of these films has a twist that they like set up and I'm immediately like, yep. Boom. Like yeah. they go, oh, you need to get over Sam. I'm like, Sam will be a girl. And then cut to, and you see a shot of like her looking at a guy and a girl making out, and she's like, huh, and I'm like, yeah, I'll be the girl. And then it's like, get the, I got you. Sam's a girl. <laughs> None of the twists worked on me. And let's go through this with each movie. Yeah. That twist didn't work on me just because I guess I'm still uh, <laughs> like unconsciously <laughs> like assuming that it's going to be a, a non-queer relationship a heterosexual relationship so that that worked on me i guess though i don't know how i feel about that being used as a twist that feels a little i don't know but well, also, it, I think it's done in a twist in the way that it's like huh oh did you think she oh well hey that's oh, on you yeah interesting that you would assume my boss was a man yeah 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 it's, it's that kind of thing it's like oh you just assumed <laughs> did you it's like well no i didn't yeah. oh well yeah then you're a bigot um yeah yeah <laughs> yeah uh and it's it's cool i thought i i think in my defense it is set in the 90s when like a lot less people were out of the closet as a teenager yeah. i guess Wait, so, so, so you I said think... none of the twists worked on you but this one did is that what you're Sorry, no, you're right. I've said something wrong. None of we and we had you guessed all the twists. I don't know what the twist in the third one you're referring to, and the, oh. the second one's the real money melon. That's where the funny thing <laughs> happened. We'll get to that though. Um, but yeah, so uh, she she spills the the girlfriend spills blood, her own blood on the the buried corpse of. Oh, Seraphia, who is the witch that they, they didn't didn't know was buried out in the woods. Um, and so therefore all the monsters are after her because her blood has spilled on it. So they're attracted to her blood. Mm. So all the friends uh work out this this plan to to uh they, they eventually the plan is to kill Sam, who's the girlfriend, but revive her so that the curse will be broken because they find out that a girl from nineteen seventy eight Wait a uh, minute <laughs> She she did the same thing. She died and was revived and that's how she allegedly defeated the curse. Um and so a bunch of the friends die, but they managed to revive Sam, only to find out later that they were wrong in their assumption. Um, Sam stabs Dina, who's the main character, uh, but Dina's fine for some reason. Yeah. They call up, they 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 get in contact with the girl that survived from 1978, and tie up their now demonically possessed friend Sam, and go. While we to wait talk for part to. two to come out. Yeah. Yeah. So, what do you think of this film? <laughs> I think I'm going to break a lot of hearts here, Richard. I thought this was awful. I thought this was dog shit. I, <laughs> this is such a bad movie. And i it's one of those, am I taking crazy pills? Or is everyone else taking crazy pills? This has like a pretty high Rotten Tomato score. What do you think Every, it is? 
are like 80, something like that. 83. 83. Everyone in the Discord is giving it like 4.5 stars, 4 stars on Letterboxd. This is the worst movie of 2021. I thought this sucked. I thought this was so bad and I don't understand. I've been holding on to this. I mean, people have seen my rating. But everyone's like, being, oh, have you seen Fear Street? It's pretty cool. I'm like... This was awful. I hated this movie. I thought it was so bad. And I've been dying to talk to you <laughs> for two weeks. Um, so, that's interesting. so I really liked it when yeah. I watched it. And just as the two weeks have gone by, I've really soured on it. Re- oh, thank yeah. God. My heart is warmed by that, Richard. Like, it's one of those things. I was so worried. Like, I... I like. I, I still liked it. I would still say that it's it's a net positive. It's a fifty one percent. It's the right. film above the Nymphomaniac constant for me. And okay. um, it, it's but the, yeah, there's a few things about it that really, really rubbed me the wrong way. Um, mm. as as time I've got went a few on. of them as well. <laughs> so like, first off, I I fucking love the idea of this series. Do not get me wrong. And it, and and premise yeah. and concept only. It's a great idea for a franchise. And as the franchise podcast, very interested in this idea of of a horror franchise that's set in a different era. Like how many times on the show, Richard, have we done a continue the franchise that's just been it's the same thing, but but it's a period piece. Yeah, like yeah, I yeah. love that idea and i love the premise of this franchise Mm. but and to do to do different genre pieces essentially fantastic Uh, fantastic idea and also the thing that like when i started the the first one 1994 i was like wait a minute this means that they never lift the curse because this is the mm. most recent one. And then there's a yeah. minute long like epilogue to the film that goes, come back next time. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and I didn't, didn't like that so much because it was like, I, feel, I thought, oh yeah, this is actually like a fairly competent um, standalone horror. But then it just ends with a trailer for the second film, both figuratively and literally. It ends with like very much like a, you have to come back next time. And then it just plays this, the trailer for the second film. Um, but okay, main points. Dina which also I found the name Dina very distracting because at work for the last like fucking two years, they've been talking about this program they're bringing in called Dina and it's going to revolutionize the way we tell news. And I know that the Venn diagram of like people who will get that and be affected by that is like of people who listen to the podcast and people I directly work with is just um, Kate and um hi kate, hey, kate. <laughs> um i was gonna say i'm not even in this venn diagram yeah 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 it's <laughs> like it's, literally, it up on it's literally just kate so hello kate and i and i uh, and i'm sure you'll message me when you hear this but i wonder if you found that distracting as well um anyway <laughs> dina fucking sucks um the program yeah. that they're introducing sounds like it'll actually be quite good sounds but the character um <laughs> the character of dina um like she fucking sucks she's one of those like and i had this problem when i watched uh the power rangers movie 20 20- i'm so glad you're bringing this up i've never seen power rangers but i've heard your power rangers analogy for years and uh your angus thongs and perfect snogging yeah. analogy for years and watching this movie i was like how can richard like this this feels like a textbook example <laughs> <laughs> of the kind of character I've heard him talk about how much he hates. Continue. Yeah. Um, yeah. She, like, so it's that kind of thing where, like, this character is horrible to everyone. And so, and I can't remember the exact details of the breakup. Um, do, you, do you remember that? She moves to Sunnyside. Yeah. Sunnyvale. <laughs> and, 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 it's, and it's like, 
but then like Dean is the bad guy in the breakup. Um, for for reference, yeah. um, Angus Long's a perfect snogging. Has a character who's just horrible to everyone around her, and then they end up like not wanting to be friends with her anymore. And then you're supposed to feel sympathetic for her. It's it's the whole thing of like by virtue of them being the protagonist, you're supposed to be yeah. on their and, side. And um, the Power Rangers film, um, the main one of the, the main female character, um, who's Jasmine and Aladdin, um, Naomi, Naomi Scott, she um. Scott. She, her um, two friends who you're supposed to hate because they're stuck up bitches. Um, the reason that they're not friends anymore is because Naomi Scott like circulated nudes of one of them around the school, <laughs> destroyed her reputation. Her dad had to like come in and talk to the principal and got shown the nudes. Um, mm. they're like these are the the photos that are circulating of your daughter, and then at the end of the film, she crushes their car and is like, "Take that for not being friends with me anymore." It's <laughs> like, no, you like, you, you know, you're you're <laughs> you're so the villain. I say this with love. I actually think you have told this story I five have. times yeah, on the I podcast. Have. I have, but <laughs> but I, it's, I'm a, not, it's, yeah. it's useful. It's useful. Yeah, for because this because we explicitly brought it up. I'm not expecting people to have yeah. seen the Power Rangers movie from, from 2017. <laughs> I think, but um, yeah, like it, it's one of those kind of characters, and the, the plot begins because um dina essentially tries to kill sam um when they're following um sam and her new boyfriend uh driving behind the shady side bus and they like open up the um the back of the bus and go to like throw you know at the end of football games i guess this is the thing in the states i not here and they have that big jug of like Gatorade. Gatorade. I was going to say Gatorade, but I presume it's not Gatorade. I don't know. Um, Of orange sports drink that they like tip over the coach. They have that. And they go to like splash it over the car. Um, And then Dina gets a nosebleed and then just just drops the thing, causing a massive car accident. Um, And Mm. then like, again, this whole time we're supposed to feel sorry for her. Um, And I just did not buy into their relationship. I did not buy. I felt kind of sorry for Sam. But also one of my, my, my biggest gripe with the film that like really, really got to me as the week went on. And it was one of those things I thought, oh, I've quite liked the film up until this point, but I don't know how I feel about that. I'm like, this is one of those classic you have made the wrong narrative decision mm-hmm. um this isn't me having a gripe with the film this is you this is objectively the wrong thing to do so mm-hmm. we have um the main cast of four five so you've yeah. got dina her little brother who's kind of the one who knows the history of shady sides so he knows all about the curse you have mm-hmm. sam dina's girlfriend uh and then you have or ex-girlfriend soon to become girlfriend yeah, yeah, again. yeah sure um and then you have kate who uh, and who's the other one simon yeah um and and so the, <laughs> don't ask me uh and so so kate not kate that i work with um kate uh is like like sells prescription pills and like she's one of the kind she has like quite a nice character arc and dina's little brother is in love with her and they have like a few little moments and then Simon's just there around. Now, when they go to the mall at the end to confront the killer, so they do it by, like, because they're attracted to Sam's blood. So they, like, need to sacrifice. They, they essentially want to kill Sam. Um, and before, then revive her. And then revive her. So they want to kill her in a way that they can revive her. And in doing this, everyone's like, all right, we'll hold off all the killers while you kill Sam. The way they're going to do that is by ODing her and then, um, you know, giving her an EpiPen. Um and then Kate and Simon die in like quite gory ways. Simon takes an axe to the head and Kate gets shoved through like a um 
the a thing bread is, a bread slicer yeah. and it's like and then they go well fuck because they spill all the pills and then they go well i'm just gonna have to drown sam and it's like a yeah. you could have done that first but now like because the whole point is that they don't want sam to, like it not to work and, and sam to actually die but it's like now yeah. you've actually traded two lives for one yeah and that's yeah a net loss and it's done yeah. and they're done in like ha fuck yeah kind of kills but it's like these are two characters these are the two characters i've been invested in and the little brother like can't stand sam and dina but like you killed two of the three actually interesting characters in mm. a, a completely undeservingly gory ways um and yeah, yeah, like the, the character's fucked up. And then when she fucking drowns Sam, she doesn't start CPR for so long. She just goes, Sam, and no, she's you're already on, on a bunch of drugs as well. So mm. it's like, don't you have to deal with the drugs you've overdosed her on as well as CPR now? Um, Richard Martin, I am, I've never felt closer to you. I've never been more in love with you <laughs> as a podcast host than right now because when Kate got shoved through the bread slicer, I was like, fuck, I hate this. Mm. I was... I I I'll I will go one step further than what you were saying about Sam and Dina. I didn't like any of the characters, but even not like, like somehow I hated all the characters. But then when Dina got shoved through the bread slicer, I was like, okay, Kate, sorry, got shoved through the bread slicer. I was like, I don't want to watch this movie anymore. Mm. It's so, it's too far. It's such a weird thing to say because it's not that it's not that okay. It's not that it's a movie. That, I'm so glad you brought this up because this was this was the sticking point for me. Mm. I was like that was horrible and you're right about the net loss like earlier in the film they're like we're gonna kill sam to to end the curse and then they're like no we can we can save her and so they save her right at the last second and then as you say two of them end up dying because of that so it's like yeah you um, like just kill sam yeah yeah, yeah exactly easy. um so the 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 thing is is that it's not that the movie isn't gory right it's not like her getting a head shot through the bread slicer is outside the realms of what i'm mm. expecting it's the, it's the, it is the goriest me. death in the film to be fair it is but it's not it's not i like that could have happened to another character and i wouldn't have been like oh my god this ruins the film <laughs> yeah, yeah it's it's the fact that like you you said like i didn't want any of the characters to die by the end of it mm, it yeah. felt it felt narratively uh, it's and because I think I think you can have the, the, there's a danger there's a danger in complaining about character deaths because because you can just say like well that's the stakes that's the yeah. game baby but it's like it's it's the 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 example people always bring up is when the like journalist in Jurassic World in Jurassic World who is it it's like their babysitter yeah. gets gets fed to the the plesiosaur or whatever it is well eaten by and, pterodactyls and then the, the yeah pterodactyl and it's it's a character who karmically did nothing wrong and our story except just be a bit distant yeah and our storytelling compass tells us that in movies character deaths have to mean something they have to mm. be deserved or whatever and well it, and, it's not even the death it's how gory the death is like that, that character sure. could die and it's like oh no now they don't have a guardian kind of thing but it's mm. it's you're supposed to revel in like deaths like yeah, that i'm trying yeah, to th- i'm yeah. trying to think like because it's such a drawn out scene she gets picked up she gets passed around and then finally the fucking sea monster comes out and eats mm. her and you're supposed to be like fuck yeah she's getting what she deserves and it's like th- that the, the storytelling language the film filmmaking language you're using to show to like in this death is supposed to, to elicit this response and it's not yeah uh benny from the mummy is a good example of yeah 
yeah. that being a, being a successful uh, way to do it. Yeah, so it's so Kate gets gets shoved to the bread slicer, and I watched this. It was flat night when we watched this, mm. so it was my choice to choose my my turn to choose what we do for flat night. And I was like, we all kind of like horror movies. So I was like, there's this cool new pulpy horror movie out that I technically have to watch for the podcast, mm. but I feel like we'll all enjoy it. Uh, by the time we got to the bread slicer part, I think we're all clocked out. Mm. But 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 when she goes through the bread slicer we were all just like oh fuck yeah and it just it, it ruined if if that didn't happen i'm not gonna say i would i would rate it higher than i did but it just it went from being a movie i didn't like to a movie i detested right, because yeah. it just it was just so uh, i just i thought it's just such a misreading of what kind of film you're making yeah but to, a, to again it it's that, that same thing we spoke about with the the lesbian twist is that it's like the lesbian twist. The hot new dance move. Um, but like, it's the kind of thing where like, if you spoke to Lee Janiak about the, like that Kate dying, she would be like, oh yeah, no, I knew you'd be upset about that. You know, the stakes are so high and it's mm. like, and there, there was a whole thing about, because it's written into the script that like, she gets shoved through a bread slicer and, um, the props department um, did a practical mock-up of it to prove to Lee Janiak that it wouldn't work. And it did. And they were like, oh, okay, well, I guess we'll put it in the film then. Um, <laughs> like, I can take a character getting their head shoved through a bread slicer. Yeah. It's not It's not that happening that bothers me. It's the character they choose to do it through. Someone who is halfway through a romantic subplot, yeah. a character arc yeah. where it's like, you've made me invested in a way where... And because because the, okay here we go Lee Janiak if you really want to justify it show me the effects in the sequels of what that's the of, thing of as how well the characters yeah. are affected it's, by it's, it's they like, don't give a shit they do not give a shit it's like your your friend has died in the most fucking horrific way and they're just like whoo wee oh I hope Sam doesn't stab me tonight mm. and it's like they, they just do not fucking care at all yeah. um and it's yeah. like and again that's another thing that we've spoken about. I was to a podcast recently, an episode that we did. Um, oh, one of our podcasts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> when you say you were listening to a podcast, it's implied you meant our podcast. <laughs> yeah, obviously. Um, yeah, it, it's it's this is one of the worst examples of people just not fucking caring at all when their yeah. friend dies. Oh, it's it's classic. It's classic horror movie in a, mm. in a bad way. I think it's one of the worst tropes. Of and, and also, movies. the thing that that like as well is. When you're doing a throwback to Scream as well, like all the main characters famously survived the first Scream, apart mm. from the villains. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, miss, miss the mark yeah. on this one. But uh, yeah. And, and I also think they, they probably didn't go far enough with the 90s theme. Oh, uh, what? You didn't think all the needle drops were good enough? I, but, <laughs> you didn't think yeah. that was clear? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the needle drops are, are a big thing in, in the first two and the second half of the third one. This could be set in 2021. Like, it doesn't. Yeah, it's, it's just, yeah. It's, there's, yeah. It's, it's not predicated. Like, if I was making these movies, I would set them around the fact that 
That, like, I, w- I would give them problems that could be solved by today's technology, you know? Yeah, sure. <laughs> or, 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 like, problems that can only be solved because of something that was invented in 1992. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah it's it's just, oh, yeah, neon and, and needle drops. But, yeah, the, the needle drops are insane. And um, I didn't go into, like, actually listing what they are, but there, a lot of people have documented that there's a bunch of anachronistic needle drops in the films of songs that came out after the year the film was set. Uh. That's not that bad, though. Which is like, it, it's like, yeah, whatever. But if you're going that hard on it and making that the identity of your film, it feels like something you would fact check. It's right. Yeah. Um. Okay. So the the bread cutter stuff was the thing I, I disliked. That was the like hatred that boiled mm. within me after seeing this film. But overall, I didn't I didn't like it up until that point either. Like this this movie felt very much uh, straight to DVD mid two thousands horror. Yeah, like the budget's low the acting isn't very good um i thought that uh that it just i remember like renting these kinds of movies out on dvd from united video in like 2007 like um because the the, the dakota fanning robert de niro hide and seek well, that went to theaters, though. I'm thinking, right. if you want to go obscure, the the movie this gave me flashbacks to is, I think, a 2008 film called Dance of the Dead, which we got because we were into zombies, and nice. it, was, it was just real. I went through a zombie phase as well, and, and rented a bunch of, um, like, you know, and the zombie yeah, yeah. movies like that. The most obscure one I can remember is a film called Undead. It was an Australian film, and we got it because the cover had a guy with a three-barreled shotgun. <laughs> and then it's, it's this Australian <laughs> film, and then it ends with like the zombies like rising up to to heaven. Yeah. It's fucking weird. Nice. Uh, so the other thing I really didn't like. So there are there are factors. There are there's a there's a there's a three parts and uh, three types of dislike I have mm. for this movie. I have it was just bad. Like your, yeah, your garden sure. variety. It's cheap. It's not very well acted. The story's it's not very long, good. Not very too long not very funny you have uh you made an incorrect character or story decision and it's it's made me it's it's left a horrible taste in my mouth with mm. the bread cutter and then it's uh there's also the third um section which is this is an irresponsible movie because mm. the two of the main characters are like are lesbians no <laughs> <laughs> No, that's not what I was gonna say. I was gonna say that they are they are like prescription drug dealers, right. like elite. You know, like they're they're stealing drugs from the pharmacy they work at and selling them to people. And it's sort of a subplot of the film. The climax of the film is they're like we've got to we've got to make Sam die and then revive her. How are we gonna do it? Okay, uh, thirteen to eighteen year old children watching this movie. Here's how to manufacture a drug overdose. And here's how to bring them back so you'll be okay. Like it gives you a a step by step guide mm. on which prescription drugs to use to kill yourself and bring yourself back. And even if they're not real drugs, you're still framing this in a movie mm. where you're telling teenagers how to do this. And even if it's not real, they go, "Well, maybe this will work. Maybe this drug yeah, I can yeah, yeah. I can put this drug in in yeah. place well, of this it, drug." It's like, well, even if it's not those drugs, drugs are still cool. <laughs> Yeah, it's. I was baffled. Like it's. <laughs> it is very. It is very rare that I will make this call on a movie. It's very rare I will see something and I'll go. That was an irresponsible decision. Mm. You know, because usually I'm far too cool to make that call. You yeah. know, like violence and video games, all good. But mm, when you're making a movie that yeah, that is <laughs> that is so. And you'll agree here is like it's so expressly targeted at teenagers. Mm. It, and then yeah. then you have this very 
realistic conversation about how to manufacture how to a drug overdose. Like, it's weird, man. Like, it's not the same yeah. as, like, Breaking Bad, where it's like, well, people could make myth based off Walter White's instructions. Like, but Breaking Bad's a show for adults. Yeah, and you it's know? also like, like myth isn't cool. <laughs> Drugs are <laughs> sure. cool, except <laughs> And I just, I was just staggered by that. Like, this is, that, that I think is the one thing that makes me really shocked by an 83% audience score. Is that I'm, no, that's, I'm a, like, that's a critic score. The audience score, score is, is um, 64 Right, because I would have thought like the irresponsible nature of that is the type of thing I would think critics would hammer down yeah. on. Yeah, and also it's just a shit movie, and I don't understand why people like this. Movie. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I do want to say as well, like that, like, uh, what was your? I'll, I'll say mine, and then I want to get yours. But the the kind of experience of hearing about these films for the first time, because you mentioned that you heard about these on Soda Pop Show years ago. Mm. Um, and, I, and I will say, just, just on the kind of development of it, it was in uh, 1997 that the rights to the Fear Street books were first purchased with the intent of making right. a movie. Um, didn't I happen. do want to talk about the Fear Street books at some yeah, point. Yeah, I've, well. I've got some information about them. Sweet. Um, and then 2015, it was announced they're making a film, which was later going to be um, announced to be part of a series, uh, which was going to be... So the original plan was last year they were going to release them in cinemas a month apart. And then Netflix bought them and decided to do the weekly release, which I think works better. I think these are much more Netflix films than anything else. Like these are fucking like your Riverdaleist. Um, it reminded me of the Scream TV show. Yeah, like it's as bad as the Scream TV show. Lee Janiak actually directed uh, two episodes of the Scream TV series. There you go. Um, and only directed one. Only directed one other film surprisingly good my fucking butthole okay this this is scream tv quality it's no good. It, it is similar quality although i did like the scream tv series i except there were the one the season we watched i didn't like that one. yeah that well that's the only one I've yeah, seen. yeah yeah <laughs> um yeah season three but the um yeah it, it, it's very much that netflix straight to straight to netflix quality and yeah it's it's the your riverdale audiences and mm. i i like slash film is the my go-to website for like movie news and they posted articles and that was how i first found out about it was that i mean because i hadn't watched the soda pop show about it but um <laughs> it must not have been what i was on but the um the slash film article said like hey we're spotlighting this because i've seen them and they're pretty good um and though and it was like these are you know pretty fun horror movies that throwbacks and it's like everything about it is lined up to be what that promised that it's like these unique releases on netflix um mm. and these like throwback horror movies i i was always like about the fact that the third one is 1666 because 94 and 78 are such clear like horror genres almost but then going back to 1666 is like oh, it's gonna be tough for me to care about this spoilers it was <laughs> so yeah. what were you 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 started this asking me a question yeah what well, yeah question? no but I, just just like how did you kind of find out about these and do, had you heard much bugs because also i didn't watch any trailers for these because i wanted to go on completely blind just knowing that these were fun horror movies yeah 
Okay, well, so I found out about these. So, yeah, as you said, in 2017, we did, we very briefly did a live stream news show mm. uh, called Soda Pop Show, where we'd drink funny flavors of soda. Which is still available online. Yeah, and, and talk about the, the Hollywood news. And uh, I'd never done a Hollywood news show before, and there were a couple weeks in there where, like, there were no, like, major news stories. Mm. Um, and they were very hard to do. And this was one of the ones I remember was... Uh, the announcement of the Fear Street trilogy going to theaters released one month apart. That it was like a um, oh shit, like this is kind of interesting. And so yeah, 2017 was when I found out about these, and then they just never came out, and I completely forgot about them. Well, they're supposed to come but out like, last year, so it's like, eh, that's about how long it takes to make three films. Yeah, no, you're right, you're right. Yeah, but I think it's interesting because I agree that they are suited for Netflix, but I also think that does remove the entire experiment, which was when these were announced, it was at a time when like the the blurry line between what is a film and what is a TV show was getting even more blurred. Yeah. And so it was it was playing with the idea of like the MCU basically being like a TV yeah. show which releases a new episode every three months and Netflix releasing movies all the time. And so it was a, the there was an experiment to see does this model work for theater based yeah, films. Sure, yeah. uh, I don't think these are theater quality films. I yeah. think if these did come out, it would be less like this groundbreaking new release model and more like when like a Doctor Who Christmas special is playing for one night only <laughs> yeah. at a local cinema. Like that's more what it, what they would feel like. Mm. I think. Uh, so yeah, that was I was always sort of peripherally interested. Um, and I'm well, and like also being a franchise podcast throwbacks. as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's kind of like they. You talk about you see interviews with the directors and producers and whatnot, and they talk about how it's it's an attempt to see if the binge model will work with films. And so they're like, mm. okay, we decided one week apart because that's enough to keep them the. Um, uh, what's the word like momentum momentum interest um momentum was the word i was looking for um uh, sorry to keep the momentum um without uh like cannibalizing each film's release and i, I think mm. it's like it, it, it worked like ostensibly what they were going for worked regardless of the quality of the films people are talking about yeah. these films and it's easy to like you've got a week to be like, yeah did you see that oh yeah no check it out and then it's it's not like i'll you know have to wait a year even a month um for it mm. but yeah on the film as well and the the kind of the release schedule lee janiac said that the biggest thing i was thinking was about how do you keep an audience from feeling like they're satisfied with each movie but still wanting to learn more in a way that they don't feel like it's a trick there was a lot of time thinking about the ends of movie one and two i didn't want it to feel like you just watched this next movie because you didn't get any answers now i think they accomplished that until like the last minute of the film mm. like it is very much like and that's what yeah i wasn't so much a fan of that and that was one of the things that, that that was that started my downfall of opinion of the film because mm. as the film ended, I was like, oh, yeah, no, yeah, I mean, you know, the Kate's death, not notwithstanding, I had a reasonably good time, I think. And then it's just like Sam stabs Dana, which has no impact on the plot in the yeah. next film. How many? There are there are hundreds, hundreds. There's like seven to ten characters in this trilogy who get stabbed in the gut and they're fine mm. <laughs> anyway we'll talk about that i think later on but yeah, uh, yeah. um well, we're going to be talking about this a lot longer than i think i thought we would um <laughs> which is good it's good content i also want to say that the on the release model i'm going to say something potentially controversial here mm. um 
because you you when you said we should do the fair street trilogy for film franchise four nights you were like i know i'm the one that usually wants to do film franchise roulette mm. and i was and i'm i like doing franchise roulette as well but you always seem so miserable whenever we can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so and it was like just after we'd done the mummy so we haven't done franchise roulette for mm. months right mm. and uh, you were like, I really want to watch this franchise. And it's like, okay, yeah, man, sure. Uh, we, and we have a lot of arguments in the Discord. It's it's a recurring argument over what counts as a franchise. Oh God, if you're wondering the answer go. to that if you're wondering the answer to this question, uh, whatever me and Richard thinks is a franchise is usually what counts as a franchise. Other people have the most fucked up yeah. like, and the, the ideas thing is about the, the thing that adds some verisimilitude to oh. our argument is that we always agree with each other as well. Yeah. We, we don't, don't, always, we're gonna... don't always agree necessarily on how to break things up, but whether or not something counts as a franchise, I don't think we've ever yeah. majorly disagreed on. Now I will I will happily consider Fair Street a franchise. Yeah. But it's a it's a film franchise using exclusively TV show model language and what's that called? It's called a mini series. This is a mini series. Yes. Yeah. Well, and also this the, isn't a film yeah. franchise. The, the fact that well yeah i mean like if these had been released theatrically there'd be no question about it but i did think that and i was like oh god people are gonna drag drag us over the coals for this one but like they, they <laughs> are they are, films. They are like, films though but but like even like a miniseries have hour and a half long yeah exactly you look at episodes, something like sherlock like, and- sherlock's a great example as the other sherlock seasons a miniseries or are they a film film franchise i don't know i just feel like this is yeah, this feels borderline out of our wheelhouse <laughs> because of how much of a TV show it felt like. Especially the last film, which feels like way more Two like episodes an episode of a television of show. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, okay. Well, do you have much more to say about the first film? Uh, only that to remind people that at the end, Dina gets stabbed in the stomach. <laughs> oh, no. Do you know what happens when you get stabbed in the stomach in real life? Not much. Like your 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 stomach acid escapes your stomach and starts like tearing up the rest of your body. You fucking die horribly when you get stabbed in the stomach in real life. But it does take a long time to die from um, stomach wounds. How long? Uh, no, like like it, it's um if you've seen Reservoir Dogs, that's how um Tim Roth's character survives so long because it's it's while being one of the most right. painful places to get shot. It does take the longest to bleed out, but and, but he's also incapacitated, right? Oh he's yeah, not yeah, running yeah. Around, It's not he's a not pleasant experience. <laughs> he's not running around malls happily strategizing on how to kill yeah. these undead monsters. They just <laughs> My completely point is, forget. Hey? <laughs> they completely forget that she got stabbed in the stomach. And the worst part is, is like, okay. Don't write that she gets stabbed in the stomach then. I don't need her to be stabbed in the stomach. Mm. She could be, you know, knocked over the back of the head or something. Like, it was, it's so strange that it's like, that's the decision. She gets stabbed in the stomach and she's, yeah. the, the rest of the time we see her throughout the trilogy is like directly following the, this, you know, this stabbing. Mm. Anyway. Sorry. <laughs> no, 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 it's quite a rough. Uh, all right, I've got some some other little bits and pieces here we could do, like some uh, randomly placed useless statistics. Oh! So this is, um, and I fucking deliberately, listen to my wording here, this is the 28th episode of Film Franchise Fortnites, where all the films discussed are directed by the same person. Now, I didn't say franchise. This is like dividing up by episode 
Um, so episodes where we, even episodes where we covered like a trilogy plus one film. And if the trilogy was all directed by the same person, that doesn't count. Right. Okay. So it, it was just, it was so much easier to count this way. <laughs> um, so this is actually tied for the shortest release window on, um, uh, for film franchise fortnights. Can you guess what it's tied with? nymphomaniac nymphomaniac get that part one and two this is i'm talking about because fair street movies were shown earlier as well so if you go like oh no nymphomaniac was like part one premiered here part two premiered here the u.s release of nymphomaniac was two weeks apart and so we off that Mm. um and this is and this will be a fun game this is our fourth franchise we've ever done where every film came out after we started the podcast. <laughs> Fuck, just tell me. I don't know. Can you guess? Um, <laughs> oh, God. Um, so that means, yeah, the the, the, the uh, first film in the franchise had to come out after, what is it, like June 6th, 2016. Oh, I was going to say June. London has fallen, but that's not true. No, nah, that's, that's just one. a result. Yeah. Um, i can't think it's gonna just be boring silence of me trying to remember tell yeah. me uh okay so the first uh so the first most recent one after that is um bad moms the first film came out a okay. month after we started the podcast <laughs> pup star the first film came out oh, two yeah. months after and happy death day where the uh, first film nice. came out in 2017 those are all franchises that are in some way were either covered differently or exist as part of a larger franchise negating that yeah, fact yeah. and also fair street kind of belongs in that category <laughs> as yeah. well like because ma- bad mums we watched with daddy's, daddy's home, home and, and, those da- and daddy's home came out in 2015 the first one right and uh pup, pup star is part of the Airbud larger series and happy death day we watched in the halloween episode yeah. where we do a bunch of franchises so that's fun like like uh fair street absolutely belongs in that weird you could you could add another caveat to that that statistic where it's not only the fourth franchise that where all the movies came out after we started the podcast it's the fourth franchise where all the movies came out after we started the podcast but they they either were released uniquely or we covered them uniquely (laughs) (laughs) uh so i've got information about the books but i'll do that between films two and three so that was the little okay. the little interlude between films one and two. Now we'll move on to film two, then so on. Um, okay. So next up is Fair Street Part Two, nineteen seventy eight, which was actually the last one filmed, um, which yeah. is like oh interesting. But then that it's like sense. there's a lot of shared um, not only actors but also like storyline in the first and third one. So it makes sense to do those two mm. back to back. Yeah. What is Fear Street Part 2, 1978 about? All right, so they take the now-possessed Sam to the house of the woman who had they found out had died and revived and thought she'd broken the curse, but she's called them up to tell them that's not how it works. So she goes there, and they go there, and um, her name is... They, her C. Name is Berman. C. C. Berman. And she tells them about her experience, which was back in 1978 during mm. at Camp Nightwing. Yeah, which and so I what happens she... on the same street as the first yeah. film? <laughs> um, yeah, it's the same town. Yeah, um, but she. Yeah, so the important thing is that she says, uh, "I went to this camp, and a week later, my sister was dead." And then mm. we flash back to 1978. We meet two sisters cindy berman now cindy does start with a c and then ziggy berman who um start what starts with a z um so obviously you know yeah yeah uh and so uh essentially 
so the way we haven't mentioned this yet, but the way that Sarah Fair's curse works is that there's like this underground cave where people's names get written on this plinth. Mm. And if your name is written, you become possessed and you, you become an agent of, of fear. Um, and the, the, the Cindy's boyfriend, Cindy's nuts. Sorry. Continue. <laughs> he, he gets attacked by the like local nurse, the, the camp nurse. Um, and it's because she knows about this plinth and saw his name was written on it. Um, unfortunately, she can't kill him and he ends up getting possessed and goes on an axe killing spree across the camp and it follows sort of the two sisters separate stories where they're both trying to stop everything from happening they slowly sort of unravel the mystery as it's going on uh and then it ends with again all of scooby-doo 2 monsters unleashed style all the previous possessed people coming back to life um probably the most interesting thing about the films too that that mm. was weirdly like under focused yeah yeah and because also it it, ends- like when, when all these previous ones it's like we see we're told like oh there was the mailman back in 32 yeah. and we see him so there's a yeah. bunch of unexplored ones that you know yeah and uh it ends with the two sisters uh trying to bury the hand of Sarah Fair because she chopped her hand off. That's a big thing. I'm real foggy on the law. They're trying to break the curse, essentially. Yeah. But unfortunately, they both get a, they both get attacked by the monsters. They are both killed, but Sadie Sink from Stranger Things, who plays Ziggy, is brought back to life, and we're given the groundbreaking, shocking twist that C. Burnham it was actually Ziggy Burnham. Burman? Burman. Because her name is actually Christina, and so the whole time, Sadie Sink was Gillian Jacobs. Uh, yeah, in the who future. plays the adult C. Berman. And so this, um, the story of Fear Street Part Two, nineteen seventy eight, is being told to Dina and her younger brother by Gillian Jacobs, mm. playing the adult C. Berman. Um, and when she gets to that point of the story, where both uh, sisters are lying there, um, Ziggy's been stabbed multiple times in the gut, and Cindy is just getting an axe to the chest over and over again Mm -hmm. and then ziggy gets revived and dina's little brother goes wait you're ziggy which means that gillian jacobs told this entire story in third person she said and then ziggy went off and did this meanwhile um, uh, cindy was out in the woods doing this and like why is it a twist to the people listening to the story it makes no sense it's and it's so stupid i agree but also is this a twist for me because richard i didn't know that i thought (laughs) (laughs) this is one of the funniest things that's ever happened to me watching a movie with a twist and like of all the twists i haven't seen coming uh, i've never not seen a twist coming because i didn't realize what was I, being happened to me when i read the kite runner in, in, in right <laughs> i was i was actually expecting it to be revealed that cindy was jillian jacobs mm. i was like that that's how like i was misreading the movie so intensely that i thought it was going the other way because here's the thing I, I've forgotten that her name was C. Behrman. <laughs> right? like, like, so I'd forgotten that, that the C was the crucial part. But when um, Gillian slash Jillian, my mum's name is spelt the same way and it's pronounced Gillian. I don't know why people say Gillian Jacobs. It's pro- her, um, sure. Gillian Jacobs pronounced the same name Gillian Jacobs. Stupid. Don't pronounce your name that way. It's Gillian. Grow up. Um, so when she when she starts telling the story and the movie flashes back, it flashes back to, to Sadie Sink 
running, yeah, Ziggy running through the forest. And so if you are not paying attention, if as I wasn't, if you are, if you forgot the character's name, you're going to believe the whole movie that that's who we're talking about. Well, uh, so what happens is, yeah. You're right. It's but, so, so funny. She, she says it's so, the language of the filmmaking is yeah. like, now we flashback. Because I've seen this done before in Saving Private Ryan, mm. where it is a twist that they're not. it's not the character you thought the older version was. was. But because it because it went back to Ziggy, that's why I thought, oh, are they going to reveal that it's actually Cindy is mm. the one telling the story, yeah, which uh, is what you're supposed to think already. Yeah, like, that, that, that was, but they, yeah, she does, say, she, it flashes back on the line, my sister, well, like, and it, a week later, my sister oh. was dead. And it's like, yeah, it's still, like, the, the, the this is how you do a flashback, is you show the older character and you flash the younger one. Mm. Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's bad storytelling. <laughs> um. <laughs> yeah it is and also like i think another part of it was like cindy is already too old enough that like my mind isn't willing to believe she will one day look like gillian jacobs yeah. whereas sadie sink who by the way is the best actress in this franchise um she or she could feasibly grow up into gillian yeah it's jacobs. like it's funny I, I i haven't seen stranger things but everyone keeps on acting like sadie sink is like a name i should know mm. yeah or She's in like, Stranger Things. Who is she in Stranger Things? She's in season two. Oh, right. She's a new character. Right, yeah. Like, I've, I, everyone's like, oh, the one played by Sadie Sink. And I'm like, I don't know. I <laughs> didn't learn the character's name. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, uh, yeah. Again, yeah. It, it's like you've done bad filmmaking. Yeah. And so the movie ends with um they f- they dig up the hand from under the mall the tree in the mall the hanging tree mm, that's yes. now in the mall and they go to bury it with the body uh and and Dina does this and suddenly sees a trailer for the next movie in her like, mind yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah um yeah she, a vision of 1666 where she is Seraphia one thing uh, I will say about this film, uh, we talked about the needle drops, and again, everyone's kind of been going on about them. Um, this one has a really fucking cool one where it flashes back to 1978 and plays The Man Who Sold the World by David Bowie, and then when it, at the end, when it flashes to 1994 again, uh, plays the Nirvana version. I thought that was fun. That is fun. Uh, yeah, so what did you think of this one? Uh, this is my favorite one. It's um, yeah. with our attachment to films like Halloween and Friday the Thirteenth and those franchises. Mm. It was fun to see that explore. This was actually filmed at the same um, on the same like camp as um, Friday the Thirteenth Part Six. Jason loves fun. Yeah, yeah. I thought this was the best one. I still wouldn't say I especially liked it, uh, but it was enough in there for me to give it um, the the platonic ideal average score of three stars on letterbox sure. um i thought i think it, it benefits from being the most self-contained one as well yeah, for sure um i yeah i liked i liked it enough i had enough fun with it to be like i like because i i go into this movie with like a sour mood right mm. like i hated the first one so i'm like oh god and then ended up not being too turned off by it and there was some really cool stuff in it they there's a really cool kind of like meta textual moment where the killer gets a a potato sack put over their head as a means to try and distract them but then that becomes their like serial killer look mm. they're a man holding an axe with a potato sack on their head i thought um okay so 
I have I did some research, borderline did some research for this film. I looked up and then asked a social worker friend of mine, in which instances should you do CPR? right? Yeah. Because I always, as someone who's only ever seen CPR done in movies and uh, ignored my way through a first aid course in 2012 and shouldn't have gotten a certificate, frankly, <laughs> um, I I thought that the only time you would use CPR is if someone had suffocated or was, was had drowned or something like that i thought that's the context in which you Mm. use cpr right right? and even then you have to shock their heart like back to life first and then like if they're already dead you can't perform cpr on them basically that's what i if people are dead you can't do anything they're dead yeah so uh ziggy gets stabbed so many goddamn times in the stomach dies on the ground and then her like love interest runs up to her and much like when you've just drowned a character who you also made overdose on drugs in the last movie, um, you should probably deal with both problems at the same time. He starts performing CPR on Ziggy mm. and she comes back to life from CPR after getting stabbed a hundred times. Mm. And it's like, not only is, is it like, that's not how you would bring someone back from stabbing. If you could bring them back, but like you have to do chest compressions and that's going to make all the blood splurt out. Like you're, they're going to be losing more blood. If you're doing this to them, I, I'm going to say this, Richard, I like this movie, but seeing someone get brought back to life by CPR after being stabbed to death is maybe the dumbest thing I've ever seen in a film. What's, like CPR in is... terms of unintelligence. What did, like, what did, your, um, what did your, your friends say? They were like, "Yeah, that doesn't that that wouldn't work." Uh, like I, I don't know necessarily that it should that would work, but you are supposed to, like I think CPR is a very valid and thing a stab wound. Yeah, you're um, just going to be losing more blood well, for, for being unconscious. Um, should you perform CPR? Um, because it's all about, um, yeah. Essentially, if if someone's unresponsive or not breathing, like that's what you do CPR for, is to like mm. get that. Um, and it, you know, the the the, the um mm. beat that you do it to is supposed to mimic the heartbeat kind of thing. And it's and it's you're you're it's, you're right. trying to kind of like beat their heart and breathe for them. Yeah. I mean, okay, sure, but regardless, I'm sure I'm not the only person on the internet to be like, oh, she got stabbed, but they didn't Well, it's CPR. also like, yeah, the, 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 the fact that, like, because if you, like, okay, let's say we're on Family Feud, you go, when should you perform CPR? The top mm-hmm. answer would be when someone's drowned. Like, just yeah. based on movies, nothing else. Yeah. It's, yeah. you know, you, you, CPR you, find, you see working when someone's drowned. It takes Dina so fucking long to start CPR on Sam, but like stab wounds, he's like, all right, I know, I know what I'll, I know what'll help this. Yeah, yeah. Which again, it's one of those things where it's like Dina doesn't have to get stabbed in the stomach at the end of part one. Hmm. Something else can happen. And in the same way, why doesn't the scene take place next to the lake? Why doesn't she get strangled or something? She, yeah. Why does yeah, why doesn't she get strangled? Why doesn't she just get drowned so that you can create a realistic scenario in which bringing back someone to life through CPR would work. It's so dumb. Yeah. I thought and, it was so stupid. And also, yeah, th- again, we have that, um, like, trading lives thing where Cindy goes, I'll hold them off so you can escape, and they both just immediately get fucking stabbed. Yeah. And it's like... Oh, my God, it's also, so I'm like, amateur. I, I really oh liked Cindy. I thought Cindy was a great character. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's your typical... 
um virgin and and so they do that whole thing of like oh no stop it like and where's the cross around her neck doesn't swear um and is your textbook final girl which i think mm. is like again it, it's it's supposed to be more red herrings to be like yeah this is c berman because she's got all the tropes of a final girl <laughs> so funny um but yeah and yeah 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 bad bad dumb 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 stuff um so yeah i don't know it's like i'm i'm really loving that we're both dunking on these movies i thought that it was going to be the opposite but the yeah the um i don't know there's stuff i liked about this one i guess i guess um but yeah the the the, the, all the movies i felt um like they have they have like sexual or sex scenes in them and all three are like (laughs) I don't know. I thought they were like kind of again one of those cases of like this is maybe a little bit too sexy for the type of the, the like yeah the the, the sex scene where we meet making. Alice yeah. yeah yeah and it's like graphic like humping on a bed <laughs> yeah and it's like and I, I don't it's even like, know what like bed. I it's on like a, a bureau right but it's it's like the re- the rest of the first movie and this movie didn't really like I don't know I I I'm not a prude I don't mind sex scenes in films but I do think you should have a good handle on like how tasteful you should be and what you're mm. showing in those sex scenes because in the first and third film there um the characters that play Dina and Sam um uh both have very intimate like nearly sex scenes mm. and both of those I thought were like to um many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out my solution is plush care plush care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey they can prescribe fda approved weight loss medications like wagovi and zep pound for those who qualify plus they accept most insurance plans to get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Too sexy. And what, no, too, like, the the one in part two, the, there's two in part two, where you see people, like, having, and they filmed it exactly Humping. the same way as well. It's weird. Yeah. It's like, it's like, the like, the cinematography is like the same for both scenes they both feel like too gratuitous for the movie and the the ones in part one and three feel almost too like romantically like too real i Mm, think is what i'm trying to say they feel too real for the rest of the like pulpy film we're seeing i guess Mm. but maybe i'm just a loser that can't take a good sex scene that's also possible that's probably it Do you have anything else you want to say about part two? I don't think so, which is surprising. But it's that thing where it's like, when it's good, I have less to say about it. Mm. Uh, so. Well, it's just, yeah. And like you said, it's more self-contained. Whereas like, the, mm. the, the there's there's less egregious shit in, in the second one. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, in between parts uh, two and three, I just want to take a quick moment here to talk about the books a little bit please because i know nothing and i asked you during the week i was like i am resisting the urge to to satiate the the like curiosity in my brain by looking at what the deal is with the fear street books i know goosebumps Mm. i don't really know fear street um so yeah fear street um like you you guessed earlier they are aimed at a slightly older audience than um than goosebumps they typically feature slightly older protagonists Mm -hmm. but yeah as as far as the like the the main hook of the film series is the time period thing right and the release Mm -hmm. um so the the books are more or less 
set when they came out, late eighties, early nineties, and it it, it does involve uh, it's the shady side. Sunnyvale, etc. Um, and it's based around the Fear family, F-E-A-R, which is, their name was originally spelled F-I-E-R, like it is in the films. Um, however, after being told that the family was cursed and the letters could be rearranged to spell fire, Simon Fear changed it to Fear, F-E-A-R, in the 19th century, and the curse survived. But in the books, the curse was brought about when the good family, um, sorry, the what is it? I'm fucking, it's confusing. I'm trying to remember which one happens in the film because it's different. It, it flips it in the books. Um, right. Or in the films, I guess they flipped it. The Fears had two innocent good um, killed for practicing witchcraft. And G-O-O-D-E. So, yeah. And so the good, the patriarch of the good family put a curse on the Fears for killing them. Right. Right. And are there, how many books are there? I'm so glad you asked. How many would you guess? 69. How many would you guess? <laughs> uh, 20. Uh, so, strap in. There are 51 Fear Street books, four right. new Fear Street books, six a Fear Street novel novels, three referred, Return to Fear Street books, 13 Fear Street super chillers, five Fear Street cheerleader books, three Fear Street sagas, three 99 Fear Street, the House of Evil books, three Fear Street, the Cataluna Chronicles, three Fear Street Fear Parks, 36 Ghosts of Fear Streets, which are aimed more at the ghost, uh, the Goosebumps audience, the like, younger protagonists, um, 18 Fear Street Sagas, different to the three initial Fear Street Sagas, 12 <laughs> Fear Street Seniors, and three Fear Street Knights for a total of 163 books. Now, Holy can shit. you please do me a favor? Because I was like, R.L. Stein, I know there's a lot of Goosebumps books as well, um, and I was curious as to how many books R.L. Stein had written. Can you please do me a favor right now? Go open up Google on your computer and yeah. type in the words, how many books has R.L. Stein written? At least 24. <laughs> <laughs> That's all it says. Why does it say that? I don't know. It's so funny. Uh, like, <laughs> I, I can't find a definitive answer, but it's like, I can find lists of every book he's written, but it doesn't have like a title at the end. I couldn't bother working one out, but holy fuck. That is so funny to Google. Yeah, well, he's he's nothing if not prolific. He's essentially like a child-friendly Stephen King, mm. you know, in more yeah. ways than one. Um, that's <laughs> crazy. At least 24 books. <laughs> that's crazy that there's so many Fear Street books. I, I knew there'd probably, there could, could have been a lot, but I yeah. didn't know they were so, like, widespread over multiple series like mm. that. Um, yeah. Yeah, so. and also, so the... Um, uh, most of them actually as well are just murder mysteries um right. but a few do include ghouls witches etc interesting because i would have thought before you told me that i would have thought that the law would have been the same and that the monsters we see but aren't focused on in the films are all the subject of their own fear street novel that's mm. what i would have assumed yeah yeah Scooby-Doo 2 Monsters Unleashed style, of course. Yeah, maybe they are. Like, I mean, I, I didn't look into the plots of all 51 books, but the first one is called The New Girl. Um, right. So there you go. With Zoe Deschanel? Yeah, the, the, the new guy with um, your mate. 
What's his name? What are you talking about? What's your, what's his name? Who's the new guy in the um what's his oh my god. I, I don't even know what him, you're talking about. I paid about. him fifty dollars to say happy birthday to you. Oh DJ Qualls. Yeah, DJ Qualls. I was just like I couldn't get KJF out of my head. Um talking about Riverdale. Very few of us can. all right. So Fear Street Part Three, sixteen sixty six. What's this one about? All right, so this one uh, flashes back to 1666 where uh, the actress who played Dina is now playing Sarah Fair because it's like she's having this vision. Having a vision, yeah. Yep, she um, lives in this little town, this little pilgrim town called Union. And there's Which, some... The, the aptly named Union before it was split into Sunnyvale and Shadyside when they were <laughs> united. Nice. Um, and there's sort of a... a some creepy goings on um and this version the sarah fair is in love with hannah miller who is played by the same actress who played sam um they are caught kissing which is an abomination uh according to the characters not according to me and so when a bunch of demonic shit starts happening they are labeled as witches um for you know bringing the devil to to union uh but what it actually turns out to be uh is that uh a guy whose surname is goods g-u-u-g-u-g-o-o-d-e um who you think is an ally in this film and is actually represented by a ancestor in the first and second film named nick good who was a fairly main character who's the cop yeah yeah um it turns out that he actually uh, fed up with the, I think, the lack of fortune he has, um, mm. made a deal with the devil, and it's actually been him that brought the devil to to Union. But he uh, has a fight with Sarah Fair and um, gets her hanged, and she's like, I will curse this town, yada, yada, yada. Uh, and then this 54-minute movie finishes. <laughs> And then uh, Wait, it goes no. to. So, the, the, if you if you're reading along with the Wikipedia plot summary, it just ends there. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, that's not true because then we get about another 54 minutes of Fear Street Part 1994 Part Two. Yeah. So it's Fear Street Part One 1994 Part Two, uh, where and it actually we... like it comes up with a title on screen, cuts the book, comes up with that title, and then yep. it continues. Yeah, yep. uh, where the characters from the first film now are aware that Sheriff Good, who's been sort of helping them up until this point, is more is... like Sheriff Bad. Yeah, and they write, good is evil. They say the line, good is evil. And when that happened, I was like, oh my God, this is R.L. Stein, and, and I didn't see this coming. Like, of course, like, good is such an uncommon surname that I should have seen this coming because it's R.L. Stein, and he loves doing shit like that. He probably came up with the sentence, good is evil first, and then wrote 160 books about it. This is, I tell you what, actually, this is my first exposure to anything R.L. Stein. Really, I've never read a Ghostbusters. I read book. Never, maybe it I've, was a Fear Street. I think I've read a Fear Street book. What was it called? I I, I remember it wasn't a a, a Goosebumps, but it was an R.L. Stein book. It was about imps, something about imps. Is that a book? I don't know. Probably. Look up R.L. Stein imp book. Something about imps. Sc- scare school. <laughs> 
<laughs> it wasn't Fair Street, idiot. It was Scare Scroll School. Of course it was. <laughs> it was his other, other series. Um, and that was about imps. There was an imp terrorizing a school. And the big twist at the end is that all the characters who have imp hidden in their name were imps. Like one of the main characters is called Simpson, and one of the characters is called uh, Mr. Kimple, you know? And, and so, like, it turned out everyone was secretly an imp. So he does shit like that. So good as evil feels like textbook R.L. Stein. Uh, anyway, so they all team up to um, take down Sheriff Good while the uh, monsters are still attacking. The monsters that are still powered by Sarah Fair, meaning she was a witch? <laughs> like, yeah. she was the bad guy? Uh, uh, yeah. It's like a twist. She was actually innocent, but it's like, okay, but That's she's still... That's the twist still... I was talking about. You said yeah. earlier on that you didn't know what twist I meant for the third Right, one. oh, sorry, no. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is like... But she's not innocent. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. My, like, yeah, you're not doing wonders for your I'm not a witch claim by cursing the town for centuries because even if like she didn't do the actual curse the one that's making everyone evil because i think that's implied to be good um there's still this whole thing about her hand and like when mm. you bleed on it so it's like yeah she was a fucking witch she deserved to die <laughs> well she wasn't a witch when she died she became a witch as she died basically and so it's just it's just, it's just again it's their bad storytelling it's like where it's like the twist should be fear is entirely innocent like 100 percent innocent mm. and it's actually the good family that have been evil like perpetuating this curse but yeah. it's not they're both kind of evil um and uh so they all go to the mall and they fight all the monsters again scooby-doo two monsters unleashed style mm -hmm. um it's very unclear but i think uh dina like touches the the beating heart and the underground in the center of the mall which gives her the power to kill good and no, she ends... makes good touch it right okay anyway it ends the curse on shady side <laughs> and um the mayor of sunnyvale who's played or who's a good family member as well gets hit by a truck or something and it's yeah. like the and curse now is Sunny, over now sunnyvale sucks yeah hmm. <laughs> what, what did, did you, you find this film? confusing i thought it was confusing um i i wasn't as like i also I, I watched this with two people who hadn't seen the first two as well so. <laughs> <laughs> I, I watched it with one person who hadn't seen the first two. Um, I thought that this, I rated this like slightly higher than the first film, only right. because the first film like offended me. Whereas yeah, this sure. one was just like kind of like, yeah. I actually quite liked the final maybe 30 minutes or, or a, a section during the fight sure. where, they're, where they're all strategizing how to kill the monsters. Mm. Um, I kind of liked that, but unfortunately by that point, I'm so over what I'm watching because the 1666 stuff is not subversive enough to be... Do not care. Interesting. Like, fucking everyone was like, oh, how are they going to do needle drops in 16... <laughs> and it's like um and like they should have just done them just fucking go nuts with them do needle drops mm. from the 60s like that like it, give me fucking anach anachronistic fun shit like that um mm. yeah it's no, not an anachronistic film which feels uh like it's betraying the tone of the first two yeah and parts. also like uh, it, it's the kind of same kind of thing like, i just don't fucking give a shit about like periods like that like uh, you, you've got your you've got this massive hurdle to overcome if you're trying to make me care about some mm. fucking coven bullshit. <laughs> um, 
but and then it didn't do enough like yeah like um like like what like a knight's tale does like mm, give me sure. shit like that like you know have yeah. have fun with it it's like they they decided well you know the 1600s weren't fun so that one this one can't be fun have um, you seen and, the, and, and, the vivich no i haven't it, it almost goes in the opposite way instead of going knight's tale if 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 fair street 1666 is like the center of the spectrum mm. the vivich is the other end where it's like you can't really understand what any character means because the dialogue is so old english right uh, but it's kind of cool like because it's like yeah, sure it's like yeah. a little puzzle that you're working at yourself yeah and also just like the accents were bad it didn't motivate everyone else be being played by her friends as well so that's exactly what i want to talk about so the accents first of all the accents are so bad they're trying to mm. some of them are the, the 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 people who are clearly like trained actors who were hired for this movie specifically do a mm. great sort of uh, early american irish kind of there is a curse yeah. upon this town kind of thing yeah, the McFly but like family yeah yeah but the characters from uh from who so yeah she she dina is playing sarah fair and um and you also see sadie sink at one point in the start playing and one of the one of the villagers and cindy and i was like cool so the it's the it's the cast of the first two movies combined it's mm. not sadie sink shows up very briefly for some mm. reason in the and then disappears yeah and they managed to get sadie sink for it like that i'm I'm noting that because i I just thought she was she gave the best performance in the trilogy so it's like Mm. make her sarah fair you know um so i thought that it's so weird because you could have done it so that each film has a different main cast because the there is already an established actress you see in flashbacks playing Sarah Fair. And so That's, you could have done that, it. Uh, although the, the flashbacks we've seen up until now were Dina. No, they weren't. Yeah, they were. It's real That's, weird. Like so, so Sam sees visions of Sarah Fair in the first film and it looks exactly like her girlfriend, and she doesn't put two and two together. Are you are you are you sure? I remember it not being that. I remember it being the actress we see. You, you see, you actually, see, I think you see both, maybe, but you right. do definitely see Dina as Sarah Fair in the first film as well. Well, regardless, you've got two choices. You make it so that Dina goes back in time. And that she's visioning, seeing the vision, and you you reuse the cast in an old timey setting. And guess what? You get to do then. You get to make them all do American accents because narratively, I can believe that the style you're going mm. for is because the, we're seeing the same characters. I'm going to ignore the fact that they're not say, speaking with the right accents, sure. right? So that's that's surely that's why you do that. Or you go for the original actress who plays Sarah Fair, who can do a pretty good old American accent. It's probably Irish, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And she's great. I would have much rather seen that movie where it's where it's Sarah Fair played by that actress mm. doing that because it's just it's it feels like the the reason for doing it the way they did is lost when they're all doing um they're all doing accents and the kid who plays her little brother in 1994 is in 1666 and boy do they do that actor dirty by making him do this accent <laughs> my dude i'm so sorry that the filmmakers did this to you because he cannot pull it off and it's very embarrassing so th- that's that's all a thing but then also the fact that it's split up into essentially two movies i thought was disappointing as well because mm. overall i would say i am much more i realized this well this helped me realize something that i'd not realized i think about franchises before which is crazy five years into suddenly 
sort of formulate this thought is I prefer standalone sequels to story sequels sure. i always have and i've never so- sort of realized it i'm i like it's the thing with like how pirates of the caribbean 2 and 3 are connected and how that always disappointed me and i've just sort of realized through fear street that like i'd be way more interested in watching these these isolated movies uh that that well, e- even if they ca- if they were like in reverse order like and say it yeah. was like so we saw the 30s and then the 70s and then the last one was the 90s and that was like the Oh my god! We're like we're bringing back all these people, and the curse has been following us. And now we do the mm. big team up film where the killers yeah. all come back and shit. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, I, I didn't like that. Seventy eight was being told to us by Ziggy, and I didn't mm. like that this was a flashback. I think I'd just be more interested in seeing a consistent lore being represented across different time eras and just being self-contained things. Because I, I like Indiana Jones. How like you can watch them out of order. I think that's yeah. cool. I think I think a lot of franchises are so obsessed with being story consistent when like Pirates of the Caribbean, great example, should have just been you can basically watch them out of order. Like mm. characters meet in certain films, but outside of those interactions, they can be watched out of order. Because talking about titles, which we can do now or later, depending on when you want to Let's talk about now. them. If we talk about titles a lot on this podcast, I really like Fear Street nineteen ninety four, Fear Street 1978 fear street 1666 they are ruined by having part one part two part three (laughs) in them but also you can't because otherwise people would watch them out of order and they need Mm. to be watched in order that's Mm. the problem um and so i think yeah you're losing something there as well what do you think of fear street part one 1994 part two yeah bad stupid but also i think fear street's kind of a weird title anyway because it's, it's a weird title set. it's a cool title but for these franchises for this i would have like, i would have called it the sh- shady side killers because they refer to that's like the the mm, nickname they side. they yeah. give yeah yeah and shitty then it's side. Sh- shady side 1994 shady side yeah that's way better like or, or like welcome to side yeah yeah, with the year after it, that's great. Like that, hmm. that works, you know. Welcome to Shady Side population, and it gets bigger because it's it's not even it's not even like it's um you know it's not even like it's it's set on a street that's called Fear Street or anything mm. like that. Yeah, Fear yeah. Street is a big part of the books, and we see the the street sign once in the third film, but it's right. like so not important to yeah. I so when it cuts to black. I, I, you know, I, I, the, the 1666 stuff had dragged on like fucking mm-hmm. nobody's business. And then it cuts to black and it says Fear Street 1994 part two. I was kind of like, I was actually thought they were going to say coming next week. And I would have been like, yeah. fuck, that's kind of cool. It fucks mm. up my podcast. But <laughs> um, yeah, I was actually kind of like, oh shit. And then I was like, oh, it has 45 minutes to go. <laughs> I mean, it does um, end on a cliffhanger opening the yeah, door is. for for more sequels i guess in the future mm. uh where the, the book of the dead is stolen our third franchise to feature a book of the dead after evil dead and the mummy um yeah i don't know man i i i think as i said at the start of the episode like great in concept great in premise very interested in the premise of this franchise i think this is pretty bad overall like it's pretty mm. ne- ne- negative for me um yeah I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I still enjoyed them. I said to you last night that this is the worst franchise where I like every film. Which I think is crucial because I think that the reason for that is because it's about things we like. It's it's mm. the bad movies about something we really want to see in a good movie. 
yeah. and I, th- I think that has influenced everyone's reviews I think everyone's going like these are actually real fun pulpy throwback horrors and it's like they're they're not but they're trying to be, and we so desperately want that that mm. we're like, yeah, they're pretty good. <laughs> yeah, you know, exactly. it's 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 the whole thing of like seeing it's st- the rise of Skywalker. How it's like they think you you seeing Ewoks will translate to you enjoying the movie, mm. and it's like it's fans, it's essentially fan service, but for a genre instead of a a specific IP. You know. Yeah. Uh, so that is the Fear Street trilogy. Mm um did i have any other notes uh no wow uh so we can move on to the segments then i guess the segments um, yeah uh anything else you want to say we've, we've, we've wrapped up the franchise as a whole haven't we i think so All i right. don't think they're very good and i think i don't know why people like this <laughs> I, I i get why people like them i do Pe- right. people like people like riverdale man like <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so our first uh, segment is continue the franchise, and as you mentioned, it does kind of leave the door open for sequels. Um, the the on the potential future part of the um, Wikipedia page it says Dread Legionnaire expressed interest in expanding the film series beyond the trilogy and movies she had slated to be interested stated to be interested in adapting a slasher film that takes place during the fifties and centers around Harry Rooker slash the Milkman. Um, cast mm. members similarly expressed interest in returning okay i mean mm. it, it does almost feel like this would be better suited just to a tv show where you can do that like mm. you could probably pretty pretty easily cut but even just cut cut down the two hours to 55 minutes and make yeah, them exactly. a tv show you know anyway what is your continued franchise um fear street 2020 and it's set during the pandemic and that's the fear (laughs) i don't know i think that that um this feels like a very easy continue the franchise and for that reason i didn't try very hard to do it really my continue the franchise is take this format of different era set horror movies and make better movies out of them (laughs) Mm. that's my continue the franchise what's yours uh yeah i was just gonna try and think of um it's apparently um fair street uh 1666 so the first one first two were obviously influenced by scream and friday the 13th um third one was the new world um terrence malick film hmm. there you go um yeah i i, I just just trying to think because yeah it, it does obviously lend itself to just telling us all the stories the other ones you've seen i was trying to think of like do like could you do a fear street 1932 and it's about mummies Mm. (laughs) but i i did um reading about the thing it's like uh that it's like they involve ghouls and other like more supernatural i'm like yeah i I, give us give me a fear street um but so you have fear street 1932 fear street 19 uh when was like 60 late late 60s or 1970s and fear street 1999 and their mummies um, right and and they're influenced by the universal mummy movie the hammer mummy movie and the brenda fraser mummy movie <laughs> wow and then do you do like terra terra <laughs> lane which is the scorpion king <laughs> yeah yeah, it's yeah. Like the side street from fear street terra lane <laughs> yeah interesting 
Nice. Yeah, so that's yeah. Who would have thought my continue the franchise would be more mummy movies? <laughs> it's because now they're all you can think about it. Yeah, it, it is the the Yugi to your Kaiba. <laughs> You're like it's actually all I ever actually wanted. Yeah. Uh, all right. Now it's time to rank this franchise. Um, oh my god. Uh, wait. Uh, no. Wait. That's next week. Anyway. Um. Well. Fuck. Where is it? Film franchise covered. I've got right. it. FFF ranking. My God, we've got so many fucking lists. Um, edit or delete this list. Delete. All right. Fear straight. I'm adding it to the list. Okay, Part so one, this is one. over on letterbox.com slash Popsha. If you want to follow us, check out our lists. We've got a list called FFF Ranking where we've ranked every franchise we've ever watched. How many is it these days? 132. 132. So I guess the question is, where does this land in that so it's 132 including um yeah, fear, street, fear street but where do we put fear street um yeah what do you think what do you think are you thinking below the, the informatic constant yes i am i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> i'm thinking pretty far below i'm i'm looking at them now and i'm settling around or let me check i've i've got I, admittedly i've gone too low i've forgotten how bad some of these franchises yeah. are and i keep scrolling past them be like yeah fucking and now i'm like in above 100 so um let's go i think um maybe um between live and let die and twilight <laughs> six and back at 62 that's what i'm oh, thinking yeah. I yeah. think I'd I'd rather watch these than the Roger Moore Bond movies, but Twilight, in a way, is almost a better mm. execution of yeah. a very similar right. kind of style of okay, film. Okay, so, so 62 it is. And there we go. Uh, all right. Have you got Patreon open as well? Uh, I can I can make it so. Uh, oh, I'm, I'm getting up now. If you want to uh, tell people where they could find the show while I yes. pull up our next franchise. Well, if you enjoyed this, everybody, you can... <laughs> you can like us on all the different social medias we're on facebook instagram twitter youtube we've got two youtube channels one of them is called cult popsha where we do video essays and one of them is called cult popsha again which is where you may be listening to this episode where we post the podcast and things like that we also have a discord server which you should absolutely join there is a link to that in the show notes come and talk to us about why we're wrong about fear street genuinely would and without judgment would love to hear what the virtues of these movies are because i thought they were Un- completely unlikable um and uh you we also have a patreon patreon.com slash if you want to support us financially you get some perks you get extra podcasts you get two extra podcasts a month you get you can join our movie club where we where we'll discuss a film over a zoom call with you uh you can give us something to talk about in the post credit scene at the end of each episode uh yeah there's a whole bunch of stuff on there and it's it's really fun and we recently lost a couple of patrons so you could make this sad little boy's day a lot better by um, joining us on Patreon. Alrighty, so the next franchise we're going to be covering, which what was initially quite like a you know a, a hotly contested race, and then one just this is on up. Patreon by the on way. On Patreon, the, yeah. You get to vote for every second franchise we cover, and this is this is to, this is this week's vote. So um, the a comment from Tim Tarbor which says. It won't win this late into submission, but I just remembered I wanted to toss Jumanji plus Sathora onto the pile, and that has won. 
so in two weeks time we're going to be covering Jumanji the Robin Williams film Zathura and uh, the two new films in the Jumanji um, canon uh, some debate as to what why we're covering Zathura I'm sure we'll discuss it next week but we will be covering Zathura <laughs> very cool uh, okay so yeah that'll be next week if you want to check that out and if you want to tell us which films we should watch get on the Patreon tell us yeah you can like the 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 united powers of the patreon and the discord has made franchise choosing the next franchise a very interesting and fun sort of game each each month because it can get very heated um and i've seen films i've resigned myself to watching a certain franchise only to see another franchise swoop in and overtake it it's very exciting uh, yeah. it's, it's gotten it's gotten almost as good as franchise roulette i think <laughs> i don't know i like uh, the the i like the immediacy of franchise with it you know right jumanji we've known for a fucking week and a half right like. yeah that's that's a good point um but yeah let us know what you thought of fair street and stay tuned for when this music ends for the post credit scene yeah <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody, welcome along to the post credit scene. This is a segment at the end of each episode where if you donate $5 or more over at patreon.com slash you get to give us something to talk about in this, the post credit scene. And Richard, lay it on me, buddy. What is the post credit scene for this episode? Who's it uh, from? All right, so this comes to us from Joe Rundle. Hey, says- Joe. What is the franchise you had the biggest turnaround on? Was there one where you thought you would hate before and ended up loving or vice versa? Uh, I've got a fucking answer for you. <laughs> Fear Street. <laughs> yeah, Over no, the course of this podcast. Um... <laughs> yeah, no, I, I definitely think, like, we've talked a little bit before, um, uh, things like I was not expecting to like the Scream series Scream's so the classic much. example, but it's like I was expecting to probably like them, but not as much as I did. Yeah, yeah. Um, I didn't think I would enjoy Fright Night 2011 as much as I enjoyed it. I didn't it. think I'd enjoy any of Fright Night. I th- <laughs> and they are they fucking, they're fucking sick. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what's some other ones? Oh, I thought it was real interesting when we rewatched the uh, Freddy vs. Jason movies and... Yeah. Friday the 13th feared a lot better the second time mm. watching it than the first time. Um, so, so yeah, things like that, things like that where, where my, my opinion on movies change. I think it happens less with franchises specifically and more like with individual movies. Like, I think um, a lot of movies that when I was 12 years old I thought were real cool, I now look back on and I'm like, well, those were bad movies. Butterfly Effect's a great example. Um, another example is the number 23, the Jim Carrey, um, <laughs> yeah. uh, what's his name? Schumacher. Yeah, Joel Schumacher. Joel, Joel Schumacher movie. The number 23, thought that was awesome when I saw it when I was like 16. and now Still I think is. Holds pretty up, bad. Dude. Holds up. Um, see, I, I love shit like that. I love when it's like, I love being able to tell you've grown you've outgrown a movie it's a cool feeling because it's like wow there is i am i can track my taste developing here Mm. i think like things like um i tried to watch the sopranos when i was 18 and couldn't get into it and now i'm like maybe i'd like it if i watched it now you know can ease more Mm. easily get into more mature content now 
I like how your example though is like, yeah, I didn't like this thing, but I don't know, maybe I would now. <laughs> Look how much yeah, I've yeah. grown. <laughs> well, I don't, <laughs> I don't, there, I, don't I can't, I can't think of a specific franchise where I was like, I am going to hate this, yeah. and ended up not hating it. Is, do you have any that are that extreme like that? No, I can't think of anything. Let me check. Let me look at the ranking. Um, yeah, not really. Ah, <laughs> oh, I thought I would. I would dislike the Terminator sequels a lot more than I did. I I thought I would like any of James Bond more than I more than I did. <laughs> okay, no, fair enough. That's a good answer. Um, yeah. Uh, oh, one that uh, as well. I guess that I was like, these will be good, but was blown away by was the Three Colors trilogy. Hmm. Because that's like, yeah. oh, obviously they're gonna be they're gonna be like good, but not really mm. like them. But they're great. Richard, looking at our franchise ranking now, and I think someone else has pointed this out before. The scary movie series is very high. <laughs> yeah. Um, what? What's uh, going on there? Uh, where is it? It's at forty. It's above Gremlins. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah um Michael so Swain i guess that's that the answer right <laughs> what well, scary movies just um yeah we, we were just in the right demographic mm. nostalgia win mm. it's, a, it's a win for nostalgia <laughs> all right anyway this has been fear street see ya <laughs> this has been the post credit scene to, to be more specific